Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered. Whether you're a bishop or a parish priest, deciding to commit to coaching is a big decision. As if life isn't busy enough, where will you find the time? Will it be worth it? These are important questions. Today, we'll hear from Father Mark Hogan, a parish priest who's been in coaching for three years. Father Mark serves Bishop Philip Egan as the Episcopal Vicar of Evangelization for the Diocese of Portsmouth in England. What have been the big learnings for Father Mark? Listen to this episode and find out. As I began to edit this episode, it became immediately clear that I had the wrong mic setting on for myself as I record it. <laughs> Stick it out anyway. You'll be glad you did. Welcome, Father Mark. Thanks, Ron. Great to, great to be with you again. Great to see you again. <laughs> so when you think about your time, how long have, have, had you received coaching? How long were you coaching? That's a good question. I would say... About three years. So I've, I've moved into the parish here in, in Winchester in England in September 2017. And then almost straight away, I, I got signed up to the network, to the DR network. And then I think it was probably either just before or just after Christmas that we started with the coaching. And so December 2017, January 2018, something like that. So about three years now. Yeah. Any church, you know, you're new to that church. Any church continues to evolve at a crazy pace. What, what have been three of your biggest learnings? I know that's a big question, <laughs> but what have been maybe some of your three, maybe three of your biggest learnings? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try and give you a, a, a few things that I think I've, think I've learned, or I think at least I'm continuing to learn because I don't think the process ever ends. But one of them, I think it's okay to be stretched a little out of my comfort zone. So uh, you were my coach, Ron, you were our coach here in, in the parish for for most of that three years. And one of the things you were really good at was encouraging me to do things I didn't want to do, <laughs> or at least I thought I should do and would be good for me to do, but they scared the living daylights out of me. And, uh, <laughs> and we just had Jonah in the, in the Sunday reading a, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I kind of was thinking of him when I was answering this question. He didn't want to go to Nineveh at all. And there are a few places that you said, oh, you should try this, Father Mark. It'd be really good. And uh, trying to pin down concretely what they were off the top of my head would, would, would be hard but I know there's there's times you encourage me to do stuff and yeah. actually just like Jonah in some level like Jonah at least I suppose I, I did grow and I was able to do things I didn't think I'd be able to do and maybe there were things that actually you didn't even coach me to do that I ended up taking steps so for example when this whole pandemic started I think because I'd built that ability to be stretched a little bit it wasn't really a question for me whether to start the live streaming or not. I, I, it was one of those things I thought, oh, maybe two years, three time, three years time, we can get around to this. And then suddenly within about three or four days, we realized that this, we're going to have to do this or, or I can't reach my people and, and reaching the people was so important to me that I guess I, I, I was able to do that. So that took me way out of my comfort zone and, and there'd be other things along there as well. So that'd be one of them. I recall having a, conversation with you and your team not long after COVID hit and and I know uh, Fiona put together through Divine Renovation this COVID survival kit and it came out and and it was just a real life support for a lot of churches I remember talking to you guys about it 
and you guys really appreciated it too. And because what it did is it confirmed a lot of the things you'd already started to do. And so to your point, like you'd already built up this capacity to innovate and this resilience of spirit and heart with your entire team that when this crisis hit, you guys were already in leadership mode through this. It wasn't like you needed anybody to hold your hand through that. No, the leadership muscles you and your team had developed just went straight into action. And, and that document confirmed, you know, gave you peace of mind for a lot of the things you had already, you guys had already thought through. And I just think that was worth mentioning because, you know, the, I think COVID and the crisis hit a lot of people in ways that debilitated them. But, having been already through in coaching for a couple of years and not that it was just because of that, cause I'm sure you still would have ramped it up, but boy, you guys were ready to deal with it as hard as it is. And of course it's hard for everybody, but kudos to you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And I like that image you use of kind of growing the right muscles and that kind of muscle memory type stuff. It was, it was, we knew what to do instinctively, it, because, but I think a lot of that was because of the coaching and the training and the, and the support and the challenge. Uh, that, that you'd given to us over that time, really, that we say, <laughs> maybe subconsciously there was, what will Ron say if we mess this up or don't do this? Maybe that was at the back of the mind as well. That fear <laughs> factor would be putting it a bit strong, but that <laughs> awareness of accountability, <laughs> put it that way. That's fantastic. So what else? What are some so that'll be ways? one of the things. And then maybe another thing was we're all in this together. So uh, very much the coaching is it was really useful because uh, just your style of coaching, Roach, Ron, but uh, I'm sure other people would, would be the same, or at least some of the people would be the same. You didn't come claiming to have all the answers. <laughs> you, you came claiming to be somebody who was kind of on the, on the, on the journey and trying to learn with us and, and for us and, and alongside us. And okay, that you had some experience, lots of experience with things that you'd done, but you'd never done divine renovation in our parish. and. And so it was a new journey for all of us, really. Your wisdom, because you're also coaching other parishes, and sometimes you'd share stories uh, in a discreet way uh, about stuff that was going on in, in, in other places and some of the struggles they were going through or some of the successes they were having. And there was a much bigger sense of uh, this isn't something we're, we're trying to do alone. And I think that, that, that was really encouraging, really, really helpful. I loved working with you because you made me better. You forced me to do things I wouldn't normally do. And I think it was our mutual respect for one another and our, our shared desire to make a church incredibly fruitful. I just learned so much. And so it, it, it had been an honor and it was an honor to work with you and your team. We always laughed a lot. You guys are really good at making fun of me when you had the chance. And, and uh, <laughs> we, we really enjoyed each other. And you stretched me. I learned a lot from you and your team as we went on this journey together. And so I do. I, I always find I learn as much as anybody I coach. Because to your point, I've never, never coached that parish before. <laughs> so, of course, I'm going to learn. So that, that's a really good point. Yeah. Thank you. And, um, I, yeah, not experienced coaching in this kind of parish setup in, in a different way. So I don't know. But... Uh, from the coaching I've done, even when it was back at school, I was helping someone with their, their maths. Maths was my first subject, so I was trying to get them through some some things. And yeah, I, I was learning as I went along as well. And I think you're right. There is a, there is a mutual, uh, there's a kind of reciprocity about all that sort of stuff. Really, we're we're, we're in this we're in this together, and that's what I say that that real sense of um, being on a common mission, a common journey of trying to 
well serve god and serve his people i think is mm. is what it's all ultimately about so um yeah that that would that was good that was good <laughs> and then a, a third thing if i had to pick a third thing um the one that i thought about was you really helped us to get some clarity on on some stuff i think sometimes when i'm it's interesting when i when i did my academic studies preparing to be a priest and previous to that as i said i did maths and all that kind of stuff there's lots of clarity and precision and all those sorts of things and then suddenly in parish life and it's easy to put down things that are a bit woolly and vague oh we hope that it'll be quite nice at some stage in the future or whatever and you would try and pin us down what i mean i don't think we ever put it quite like that but what might it look like and put some numbers on this and put some figures and put some time frames and, and not as a heavy weight to kind of like burden us down and, and to kind of prison us, we got to get this, but as a, as a way of helping us to, to, to improve and to get better. And one of my strengths is, is competition. Um, and I, I love beating myself as much as anything else. And, and oh, that's of, a good point. Yeah. Point. So uh, I, I, this is where we're going for. And it makes me be better because I think I can do better than, than that. And, and starting to pin things down in that way, I found really helpful and adding the clarity as well. And I think we've still got a lot of learning to do. It's one of those, we haven't learned the lesson yet. We're learning the lesson in terms of how to be, how to be clear about things going, uh, going forward. What, what, what is it that we really want? What, what would success look like? What is my role in all this? Um, mm. How do I stop? uh tripping other people up and and how do i start empowering people to do what what they need to do and are capable of doing and, and god's wanting them to do and, and, and all those kind of things so um as i say it's still a, a road we're traveling down but we're the, the coaching really helped move us in, in that direction when theory and practice come together it often gets a bit messy uh it's kind of it involves people and people are unpredictable and imperfect and foolish and even sinful and that's just me never minding anybody else that gets involved uh, with the whole thing and i just i, I don't know um I, I don't know what the situation is I, I can't remember in halifax but we're in our third national lockdown here and that means that the gyms are closed again and one of the things i really like is just trying to go to the gym because it keeps my head clear and tries to allow me to eat a few more calories and some of those things yeah. that, that I enjoy doing. So we can't do that. So trying to find myself motivated with exercise. So I've hired a water rower for three months just, and then Great. I can extend it for another month or whatever until the gym's closed. And I, I know I won't be able to do it long-term, but for a short time I can do it, but it came in a pack. And so I had to follow the video and follow the instructions and put the water right. And I'm not a natural at these kind of things, but there were instructions and step-by-step -step and, eventually ended up and, and the water row is working it hasn't leaked yet there's no kind of water going down through the ceiling into the uh, the space below or anything like that um but when it comes to parish renovation it's not as neat and simple as that so i remember i read father james's book i came to the conference i got the dr guidebook and was following through the steps but we didn't there's there was stuff that wasn't quite there we weren't quite moving ahead at the right pace or in the right way or whatever else it might be and because you, you, we were coming across, oh, it doesn't mention what to happen when so-and-so isn't interested in what you're saying or when people, all these situations and you think, okay, what, what do I do now? And just to have somebody that has got some experience and wisdom, can ask the right questions, can help you find another approach uh, is just really, really helpful at trying to put that pack 
<laughs> together, trying to build that water row, or even more importantly, trying to trying to renovate your parish and trying to, to shift the culture and everything else that's that's going on there. So um, yes, get rid of go. If 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 the D, the DVD and the guidebook isn't helping you to get where you want to be, then I definitely <laughs> suggest giving it a go and try out. I think as with lots of other things in life, if, if there's a coach that's on offer and you try out and it doesn't work after three or four months, then right. that's okay. And yeah. so you, you, if the coach is, is big enough, they'll realize, okay, we're just not clicking here. I can't help you here. And they won't be offended by it if they're the right sort of person anyway. Um, and, and you say to them that it's not working out and let's try someone else. Just because one person isn't the right fit or, or what have you, doesn't, doesn't mean the whole, whole system is, is broke. So yeah, give, give it a go, try and find the right person and, and, be willing to uh, to experiment a little bit if, it, if it's not working and be honest about that if it's not yeah. working, it's not always that the coach isn't the right coach sometimes it's it's in us as well well that's a good point because that's the other thing i was going to ask you is, is how did you feel you had to show up because coaching isn't you know i often say to people like it's not like i'm here to do a magic trick Ta-da! it's like no like we both have to show up what did that mean for you? Like what, what did, what type of, like when you knew a coaching session was coming up, how would you or your team have to, what kind of pre-thought would go into it or how would you try to be present to that session so that you could get the most out of it? Yeah. So I think, I think that's probably where the roadmap idea came from in the first place, the one that you mentioned just there earlier, because the, the first few sessions I kind of turned up, waiting for you to kind of say right this is where we go this is the next leg of the journey okay we're yeah. we're here in winchester we're going to place x now and then yeah. we might have a nice lunch and then the next session yeah. we might go there and this kind of neat neat type uh, type of thing so having a bit of a sense of the roadmap um at, but also the kind of potential things that we could talk about what coach yeah. was like so even learning what coaching was that took a bit of time to mm. uh, to get my head round. Um, so rather than just turning up kind of passively and waiting for you to lead it, it was then starting to think, okay, so it could be that there were issues we were struggling with. So it could be, look, we're, we've really hit a roadblock in this. We don't know how to get around it, or at least we're struggling. Let's bring it up with, with Ron, and then Ron can help us. Okay, what's, what's the way around this? We can, we can think that through together. Maybe it was something that we were looking to do, and there, there was something we thought, okay, we really want to... to, to get our alpha working really well or we really want to bring someone else on on board onto the uh, onto the team or we really uh i don't know we want to look at connect groups or small groups or something like that so there's a particular topic and we thought right, okay yeah. that's that's something we'd really like to discuss and then there'd be i guess there would if we we're honest be other times when we turn up and we go look there's nothing particular like that and uh, and then you would try and tease stuff out of us and sometimes there'd be stuff to go with and sometimes there wouldn't and that's when it was really useful. You would start bringing things out and, and maybe some of those best sessions in terms of the clarity came out of that, but you'd start to ask us questions and probe. okay, so what, what is your role? Or, or I remember a few of the exercises that you used to do to get us to think about um, specific uh, things. Um, so with fact, with faithful, available, contagious and, and teachable, for example, okay, who, who are the people in your parish that would score? Uh, highly on that and 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 we, we can get them engaged or involved or um empower them in in some way so you would start to get us 
thinking. So it'd be a, it'd be a mixture of stuff. Sometimes it'd just be stuff we were naturally going through. Sometimes it'd be stuff that we were grappling with or we wanted to. We were thinking, actually, this is going to be a key next step. And sometimes it would be actually you drawing stuff out of us. And because you knew a little bit more of the road ahead, or maybe you knew half a step ahead of where we were going or a little bit more. And you thought, actually, well, I don't know. You tell you tell me, how did you come to that? Did you say, actually, I think now probably this they're at a useful stage where it'd be good to start asking them for a bit of clarity on their roles or it'd be good to start asking them for what their six month goals are, all those kind of things. How did you, how did you know it was the right time to ask those questions? Yeah. You know, one of the things we were talking about a little earlier is the whole idea that I have activator is one of my strength teams. So I learn by doing, I learn in real time. So I'm highly intuitive. And that's one of the things I struggled with, even as a coach, coaching other coaches is to, how do you teach intuition? That's a tricky one. And so I, I, you know, you have thinkers and you have feelers and, and, and not that you're anybody's completely one or the other, but I would definitely learn, lean more on the feeling area, that intuition piece. And so through relationships, because I'm highly relational, I'm actually studying you guys in real time constantly because I care about you. Yeah. And so I pick up on things sometimes that I, and I, I don't necessarily know how to articulate why I've picked up on them. Hmm. And, and then with a little bit of digging, I often find we're able to go to places that God wants us to go like that. So I don't know how much of that is Holy Spirit led hmm. um, that comes out of a relationship and caring for, for people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure quite how to articulate that, but, but yeah, that, I, I find that that's part of my, um, I, I guess, coaching intelligence, I suppose, if that's a term, it would be more that than the roadmap. And so, like I said, that's where you stretched me is I had to create a roadmap when that's normally not how I tackle life. Like I tackle chaos by diving in head first and then figuring it out in real time. I can't get the smile off my face and I bring order to chaos by diving in, whereas other people are more inclined to look at it, study it, see where the opportunities are, where the pitfalls are, and go at it very intentionally. And so there's different ways of tackling life. And that's why I say it's so fun to work with you and your team, because we tackle things differently. But the patience you had for me, uh, uh, it really worked. Uh, It's just a ton of fun. It's one thing that reminded me when you're talking about the messiness of actually taking theory and putting it into practice i remember being on a podcast uh in the u.s and with a guy who was a real student of divine renovation and the books and the workbooks and applying it and everything else and we had a whole one hour podcast three of us and when we were finished and we were off air he said i'm shocked i feel like i've just learned an hour's worth of things I absolutely did not know, and it's not written anywhere. And it's like, why have you, not, like, why is this not written? It's like, well, it's hard to write in all the things in life that you're learning and doing. And so, you know, I think amazing jobs have been done by all the resources out there, and yet there's just so much more that that doesn't get picked up in, in writing. And so, you know, that was uh, that's a good point. <laughs> a good perspective so what are some of the things that can undermine coaching i think the main thing is that that relationship and i think in terms of that relationship i think it's trust um so the person being coached or the team being coached they need to trust that the coach knows what they're talking about uh but also that thing that you said just a moment ago that they they care about you that they have their 
your best interests at heart because if, if I think that the coach is in it for their own agenda or they've got their own they're not interested in where I'm interested in going they're interested in taking me where they think I should be going then that starts to to put a bit of a, a barrier to the the, the the trust there because I'm thinking yeah this is this is our journey not not your journey so um I think that'd be some of it but also um to trust, to have the humility to kind of, um, to learn, to try new things out, to experiment, to take a few risks, as I said, being stretched earlier. I wouldn't have gone down that uh, path if I didn't trust you. So another image maybe with that is, is abseiling. I remember when I was in the Boy Scouts and we went off abseiling and I'm terrified of heights. Not as bad as I used to be, but I'm, I'm not great with heights. Um, yeah. And the idea of leaning backwards down this cliff face and walking down it from the bottom, it kind of looked okay. But when I was at the top and it was suddenly my turn and they were telling me to lean back over a, over a cliff face, and I don't know how big it was, but it seemed like it was three times the Empire State Building from where I was at the time. And I couldn't do it the first time. Even that first little bit of leaning back, I, could, I couldn't do it. I couldn't entrust myself. And it, I tried it for about 20 minutes. Probably everyone else was cheering me on but getting frustrated so I walked away and then I think I came back about an hour later and I thought look I just got to trust this bloke that he knows what he's doing the, the instructor whatever it is mm. I've got to trust the rope um and I this everyone else is going down safely he seems to know what he's doing why is it going to go wrong for me so because I trusted both the rope but more importantly the person who was instructing us that day I, I did start to lean back. and I'm not saying straight away it was like oh this is this is brilliant. It, it took me a bit of time to lean back properly and then to start walking. Back. But I managed to go down the bottom. And as soon as my feet hit the bottom, I unclipped and I ran back up to the top to go and have another to go and have another go. Um, but I could only do that because of that trust, that, that trust in that, that instructor. And I think it's the same with the coaching, that if there's a strong relationship of trust, you, you're going to do things that even that you're scared to do and I think the biggest thing that can stop us in in probably life but Jesus says it again and again doesn't he do not be afraid is fear that can paralyze us to stop us doing the things that God wants to do us so if that trust isn't there then I think that's going to be the biggest thing that's going to undermine the thing really so um yeah. and it's a bit there are parallels with the relationship with with God or anybody that's important in the sense we've got to trust that God knows what he's talking about and that he cares about us enough to to do what it is that he's he's asking us to do and i think it's probably the same with anybody really if if we're going out of our comfort zone doing new things uh investing time because coaching takes time it was an hour a fortnight or whatever it was in a busy life why should i be committing to this uh yeah. I, and i was committed especially at the beginning when you haven't seen any difference taking place that the first few weeks you're still feeling your way and finding out you've just got to trust that the person knows what they're doing and then you start to see a few uh, successes coming out of the coaching and a few good decisions coming out of it and, and you can move forward so i'd say that would be the biggest thing that can undermine it would be a, a lack of trust for whatever reason in that relationship that's really neat perspective what, what's neat when i'm hearing you explain that i could a little as you're speaking that cliff story i could i could see it all in my mind like i'm just following you as you're telling that story and what I love is how you had to speak faith into fear, mm. right? Like you had to speak, you, you, you logically broke it down and you had to speak faith into that fear. And that's such a critical 
and beautiful point to bring up and, and to speak into because yeah, what well, to your point, whether it's with Jesus or whether somebody else that is important in your life that's taking you somewhere, every now and again, what we're go- it starts with recognizing our fear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> owning it then just starting to evaluate speaking faith into fear and trying it anyway that was yeah that was fun i love that <laughs> so, how do you feel you have you changed have you have you changed through those three years of coaching yeah i've definitely definitely changed i think i've grown in my well like that live streaming example would be one um mm. earlier but i i was rather than sitting down and thinking about it for three months and thinking whether I could or should or whether it was the right thing or what would happen. I, I knew I was going to make mistakes. I knew there was a possibility of this. I think my biggest fear with that was me going viral, making some complete mess up. Right. Because There were a couple of those clips went around. I don't know if you saw, there was some priest who had put filters on uh, his screen or something. So he was celebrating the mass, but he, he had some uh, Disney characters <laughs> floating around us. And I thought, I don't want to be that person. <laughs> <But> <laughs> don't want to be famous I, for that, yeah. I, I don't want to be that. So, but but I was able just to go forward. I had that confidence to say, look, okay, this is more important. The, the, the risk is worth, the risk is fairly minimal and yeah. it's worth taking for the, for the benefits and the blessings that would come. So I think that'd be one thing. I think another thing that I, that probably came out of the coaching was that it's okay to ask others for a big commitment. I remember, when I was setting up an SLT, I didn't have an SLT when we started the coaching and I wanted to invite people, but I was scared to ask people for a big kind of weekly time commitment because I knew they were already busy people. Um, but actually having done that and people being very generous and saying yes, I discovered more and more that they appreciated having been invited uh, to ask and that, and that could, they, were, they were valued. And that, that time was, was good time that they were able to bring something to the mission as well and, and contribute to that as well. And um, yeah, so, so to, to, to be able to do that, to take some, well, I suppose that there's a, there's a risk there as well, but some of my kind of um, preconceptions about what might be right or inappropriate, I, out of caring for people or, or a desire to care for people, I was trying to protect them. Whereas actually that desire to care for them was better served by inviting them and giving them the opportunity to, to do something. So I've definitely uh, changed in that. I think I wasn't working properly out of a team before this. I mean, in my previous parish, I did set up like a little mini SLT with two other people and we took a few mini steps, but it was only for a few months and we didn't really get motoring with stuff. Whereas um, the, the coaching has really accompanied my journey of of trying to lead out of a team and the, the support that gives both on a personal level but in terms of um in terms of leading the parish as well and the difference that that, that makes and the potential that that offers which is which is really good um and i think probably some of the stuff around the um and again, it's, it's still a long road to go, but learning about myself and some of the, the strengths I've got, I, I'm, I'm fairly aware of a lot of my weaknesses and a lot of my failings and a lot of my struggles, but to actually um, focus on some of those strengths and, and the gifts. So I mentioned the, the competition one earlier that I'm yeah. really good at. I never really thought about that or been able to articulate that in, in, in any way. Um, I, I give, give a very foolish example. Um, driving, driving my car. It was when I 
got a new lease car and it told me how many miles per gallon I was driving, that suddenly the competition became trying to make this car as economical as possible. I wouldn't have known how to do or what to do, but because there was a dial on there. So I was able to just use stuff that was kind of part of me anyway to make me more environmentally friendly, more economical, all those kind of things. And it'd be the same with the parish as well, just kind of that, that drive to make this parish the best it, it can be and, and putting some, some measures. So, so using some of those gifts that I've got really as a, as a way of, of, of driving forward and helping that growth and helping things develop rather than just bumbling into things by mistake. So there's much more intentionality, I suppose. That would be the, the, the thing mm-hmm. I'd say with that as well. It's helped me be more, much, much more intentional. That's a lot of fun. I Father James has competition in his top five as well. He too wasn't quite sure how that fit in. And as he began to understand it, he could really get excited. But I loved his competition theme because anytime we go anywhere to conferences, he'd come back so fired up because like, wait a minute, I didn't know all that was possible. And he wanted to be able to, to help others as a church do all that. And so I just saw it as such a great strength and a gift. And and so that's, that's it can awesome. be exhausting for other people sometimes as well. I need to <laughs> that's be <true>. isn't the only role that you have tell us a little bit about your other role and and how has coaching impacted that yeah so bishop uh philip egan who's our bishop here of portsmouth down in the, the south of england he invited me to be uh well that's how i got involved probably the main reason i got involved or aware of the whole dr stuff anyway is he invited me to be the episcopal vicar for evangelization which sounds uh, very fancy but it kind of means I, I take a lead on those kind of things really um in the diocese and it's really helped i mean one of the suggestions that you gave to me relatively early on in the coach i can't remember a few months in probably was um was to try and support and walk alongside some other parish priests who are keen and and passionate and trying to do something so we've been we've been doing that there's been a group of i think about four or five of us parishes been trying to learn from each other and we're starting to expand that now and, and hopefully there's some some other parishes where we're and again, we're, we're not perfect and we haven't got it all crap, but we're in it together. We're supporting each other. We're trying to, uh, to help each other. I think some of those, because you model the coaching so well, some of that, I, by whatever process that takes, whether it's osmosis or whatever <laughs> yeah. it is, I'm sure there's some of those things that I've picked up that's helped me. I wouldn't say I'm coaching the others as such, but I'm, there's some of that armory, some of that skill set that I'm able to bring into those into those conversations, which is good, as well as some of the techniques and the tools and the questions and the exercises and things that I've picked up uh, right. through the coaching as well. I've just got to a situation and uh, and I thought, oh yeah, okay. When we were at a similar situation, Ron did this little exercise with us. So why don't I why don't I try that? Why don't I explore it? And sometimes it's worked really well, and sometimes it hasn't because I've misjudged it. But that's okay. Um, so that's been really good. Uh, and I think also just even having a little group of priests that are coming together, because sometimes trying to do this stuff is, is a bit lonely, a bit dispiriting. Uh, you don't always get it right. It's like trying to put that water rower together and, and it doesn't quite fit in the right way. You've got a few many pieces over or one piece is refusing to go where you think it should go and all that kind of stuff. So just to be with each other, to have those conversations and to, to learn from each other has been really, and to pray for each other and with each other as well has been 
has been a really good thing as well. Um, it's helped me to ask some good questions, I think, hopefully sometimes just to unpack. And I think that's probably where I've got a bit of a, a, a gifting as well, is just that kind of listening side of stuff. And okay, let's, let's just ask a question here. But to have some of those coaching type questions as, a, as another kind of set that I can ask, I think that's been really useful and just through uh, picking that up. And just also because, because of the coaching and being plugged into DR, that way I'm more aware of what resources are available, what yeah. other parishes are doing, um, so that if, they, if, if the parishes that I'm walking alongside, if they're coming across situations that I haven't come across, I can think, okay, it doesn't really resonate with me, but I think I remember hearing something about that or watching a video about that, or there was a really good podcast about that or a webinar about that. So yeah. just being a bit more tuned into that kind of stuff uh, as well. And I suppose then the other thing, just that bit of confidence, because I know, okay, if I get really stuck here, I just say, I don't know, but I know that I can bring it back to the coach. I could bring it back to you. And I could say, look, Ryan, I've been working with this parish and, and they, they've got to hear and we just really can't work out what to do. Now, I don't know if I did that or if I did that often, but even just that confidence of knowing it was there, it was almost like the, um, the, 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 the backup, if you see what I mean, the belt, belt and braces yeah. type stuff. But, uh, gave that reassurance it wasn't all going to go horribly wrong if i said the wrong thing or did the wrong thing or, or whatever so that that's there's a few things anyway where it's helped isn't that neat how 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 is like because sometimes people have dialysis roles and that 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 is all that's their full-time job but that's not your case you're a parish priest and you were doing that how big a role and how much credibility did you're actually trying to do this yourself, bring to the conversations you were having with these other priests that you're trying to support and encourage. I, I, I think if I were trying to do this abstractly, uh, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. There's a big difference between the theory and the neat plan. And this is what you can do. And this is how it might work. And these are some things you do and, and what it's like in reality. And I don't think it takes too long outside of experiencing that reality before you can start to forget not just the potential and the excitement but but some of the struggles and the, and the challenges as uh, as well and i'm very honest uh, with them I, I don't i don't claim that suddenly oh we're in the parish here st peter and the winchester martyrs and everything is working perfectly and uh, uh it's i i used in the early days those uh, the image of green shoots i can see little green shoots in the parish here now yeah. hopefully there's a bit more than green shoots at the moment hopefully there's a there's a couple of them starting to come to bud and there's a lot of potential waiting to, to be there but we're far from a, a garden that's overflowing with beautiful roses and and flowers and and, and all the rest of it we're, we're we're not there yet so so there, there is there is Hopefully, at least I think there's some credibility through through walking alongside uh, and yeah. um, going through the same sorts of questions and grappling with the same the same kind of things as well. Um, I, I think love that, that. That makes a difference. I, I think to myself, like my advice, I remember doing some work with some friends in Chicago and just saying, like, you got to do this in your local. Don't make your diocese. I know it might be how you make your income, but don't make it your primary impact. Your primary impact should be at your local parish because then that gives you the the understanding when you're helping other churches. But if you if you're not fully engaged in your local parish, then you're just you're bringing opinions. And I think we don't need more people with opinions. We need more people with practical experience of 
of experimenting, making mistakes and getting some things right. Cause I really do believe that that's where our credibility comes from. And that's how we can understand these different situations. And so I just love what you're doing. I love how you're doing it. And uh, I just think it's a great model for diocese all over the world, to be honest with you, wouldn't it be so cool? Like I always often think, you know, about the local cathedral, that's a church. Like, why isn't that amazing? Like, it's usually an amazing looking building, but it's not necessarily very often an amazing Catholic community that's knocking it out of the park. But I'm thinking, why not? Like, why not make your cathedral an amazing community? And, and, you know, because we do need, we don't just need to know what we need to do. We need to see it. We need to experience it. And as you're talking about, you know, you see shoots and hopefully some of those shoots are beyond that now and are coming to bloom, but there's just so much more. Well, I don't think there was ever a day at St. Benedict Parish we didn't feel the same way. Like, I know great things were happening, but we're always aware of all the things that we needed to do, the things that were beginning to fall apart, the things that we haven't gotten to yet. Like, that's actually why I love leadership so much. It's because it is so dynamic and it's all-encompassing and it's so exciting and it's so hard. But I think that's why it makes it so much fun because it forces us to grow and evolve and to be able to do it together. And this relationship to me is the most fun I've ever had. So, And, and it's, yeah, and, and going back to that, when the, the theory and the practice come together, it's it's often messy, but actually there's that's where the fun and the beauty and, and stuff is as well in that, in that mess, really, of human, human beings, human beings humans just trying to to do what we can to to <laughs> to serve god and serve his people yeah. yeah i love it i love it so what's your as we as we kind of wrap up here what's your dream for your church now, i don't think that's too different to the question you asked me the very first coaching <laughs> session we had and uh, i kind of what's my hope what's my uh, what's my vision and i'll i'll give you a similar answer to the one i gave you then which it comes out of that um passage it's in Mark's gospel. If we weren't going into Lent this uh, coming Wednesday, we'd be having it in the in the lectury on the seventh Sunday of ordinary time. But uh, it get it gets skipped out. It's in Mark. It's in uh, in the synoptics. It's of that paralyzed man being brought to Jesus on a stretcher by by his friends. And just in that short episode of Jesus's life, there, there's so much that can be unpacked. I think of, of what I want to see at the parish. So you've got these mat carriers, these people who are carrying their friend. Why are they? Well, we presume he's their friend. We, we don't know. We can read all sorts of stuff into it, but we imagine they're doing it because they care for him, because they love him, because they want what's best for him. So I, I want my parish to be a place where we care for other people, where we love other people, where uh, they're, they're important, where they're, where they're valued. Um, and they have faith. In fact, Jesus rewards their faith and says that's that's the reason why uh, why he's forgiving sins and, and healing them because of their faith. They have faith in in Jesus as well. So to be a community where we've got people bringing people closer to Jesus Christ in hope and joy, but with that faith that actually he can do something here, he can he can make a difference. And they had incredible perseverance. So we've been talking earlier about some of the roadblocks that are in the way, some of the things that we can struggle with. They didn't give up. They didn't get to the door. I think, oh, it's a bit busy. Maybe we'll come back in a couple of weeks' time and see if Jesus is free then. Maybe he'll be back or whatever. They say, yeah. no, we've got to get him to Jesus. We've got to find a way. And they climb up and they make a mess and they lower him in through the roof. So there's that side. 
there's the, the crowd that are in with Jesus that are kind of hungering for his words. They're, they're, there's so many people because um, over these Sundays in ordinary time at the moment as we're speaking, we've beginning of Mark's gospel, he's impressive. People are astonished, they're amazed because of his words and because of his actions, because of the, the healing he brings about. So he's powerful in words and deeds. So they're, they're hungering for his word and they're thirsting for his presence. They just want to be near him as well and to have a community that's really hungry for the word of, of God, the word of Jesus, to have a, a community that's really thirsting to be in his presence and to be close to him. That's uh, part of the, the hope. And then you've got the paralyzed man himself. What's going through his mind as his mates <laughs> pick him up, start dragging him through the streets and then lift him up on the roof. I was talking earlier about my fear of heights. I don't know whether he had a fear of heights or not. <laughs> He's getting right up on that roof. And then if, it, if that were me, I'd be thinking, look, let's not make too much of a fuss here. Look, we can find, I wouldn't want to be the center of attention. And he literally becomes the center of attention. <laughs> but he has to have that humility or whatever it is to surrender, to trust his friends and to be surrendered then to, to, to the feet of Jesus, to allow himself to, 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 to be placed at Jesus's feet. And I think that for the community as well, for here in the, the parish, to be a place that, that we can overcome some of those fears and have that humility and that willingness just to trust God and trust some of those people around us who are trying to bring us closer to, to Jesus as well and allow ourselves to be placed at his feet. And that's not something I find easy. I, I like to be a bit more in control of things. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's something I've definitely got to learn. But for our community to be able to say, yeah, you, whatever you say goes, Jesus, uh, or to say mm. with him, thy will be done, or uh, into your hands, I commend my spirit, whichever way we want to, to place it. And then I guess finally at the heart of that story is Jesus. And just for each of us to become more Christ-like, to become more authentically incarnations of, 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 uh, of, of him uh, made in his, his image and likeness, I suppose, so that when people encounter us, they encounter something of that life, that love, that mercy, that peace, that, that joy of Christ. So that's where I hope we're going. That's the, where I hope that roadmap is, is taking <laughs> us. Uh, but he doesn't reveal, he's, he's, God's even worse than you, Ron, for revealing the next step along the way. It's kind of, I, uh, I empathise with that John Henry Newman, lead, lead kindly light, uh, midst and circling, one step enough for me. And, and there's got to be a bit of, of that about me at the moment, because I don't know where exactly where he's taking us. I've just got to trust and keep listening and, and keep being hopefully faithful that uh, one, one step at a time we're going in the direction he's calling. And then he'll reveal it to us when he's ready. I love that. Father Mark, it has been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for sharing your experience. You've definitely been somebody who's impacted my life, and I love the team you've assembled. Give them my love, and hopefully when they listen to this, they'll, uh, they'll be encouraged. So keep up the great work. Thank you, Ron. It's been great seeing you again. Isn't Father Mark a humble leader? To turn a parish around takes time, commitment and dynamic collaboration helping clergy and committed lay people learn to row in the same direction and row to win is my life's passion and i hope today's episode has given you a realistic perspective of the journey a priest goes on to transform their leadership and maximize their impact for the glory of god you can do this i want to encourage you as you lead this week be faithful to god and generous to others See you next time, and remember, if you're still breathing, you are 
powered for impact.